Welcome to the Women's Take. My name is Perry Meltzer. And I'm Charlotte Steinberg. And this week, we've got a lot of crazy sports news, especially with the uh, COVID variant picking up. Of course, of course. We definitely have a lot of increase in cases all over the professional leagues. For example, we have over 80 NBA COVID protocol players not playing and now quarantining themselves in hotels and are not able to play their games. For example, the Knicks have over six players, Obi Toppin, Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel Quickly, all these players that are now not playing and now injuring their team to having to sign players from the G League. My brother made a joke the other night saying, the NBA is turning into the G League. All these players that are not supposed to be in the NBA are playing because their team's affiliates need them. Yeah, and, you know, we're seeing that the cases are very high everywhere. College campuses such as Harvard and Georgetown are already saying they're not going to be in-person learning until after the third week in January. And I'm curious to see how that's going to change all of the college sports, too. You know, we've got women's basketball and men's basketball really picking up, and they're starting to get towards that midway point in their season pretty soon before the tournament starts in March. Um, and then we've got, in general, the NFL is having a lot of cases and you got college football picking up too. So I feel like we're going to see some delays or a bubble type system again for March Madness, especially. Of course, you can't stop March Madness. That's like one of the biggest revenue generators for college basketball. But I really don't, I, I was reading Adam Silver's statement today about how the NBA is not going to stop. They're not going to do a bubble. Players are still going to get on planes from going to Chicago, Minnesota, New York, Florida, California, any of these states, they're still going. And I find it surprising they don't want to just do one state, one stadium, multiple hotels, get it done as they did in the bubble with, I think it's just ridiculous. Look, NHL is on pause until the holidays. They're done. You know, they're surprising. Which is the smart move. I think it's really smart that they're doing it because why do you want over 80 of your NBA, like think about it, put yourself in Adam Silver's shoes. You're a commissioner of one of the biggest leagues in America, or international, because we have international fans, obviously. But put yourself in his shoes. You have over 80 players in COVID protocols. You have players like Trey Young, superstars, Anthony Edwards, all these players that are main 20-point contributors for your teams, and they're out. Their team can't use them. Now we have players like... And you think that the money that they're losing is what they're probably most worried about is the salary and all this safe that's going to affect maybe the revenue that's going to affect his money but it really doesn't at the end of the day and i think that it just becomes there is revenue loss when a league is shut down and i think unfortunately for the nba i think that the states might shut them down before they shut themselves down look i thought it was really surprising kyrie irving is now going to play in road games like he is not vaccinated which is so confusing I, okay, I get it. Look, the governor, Hochul, is not allowing people to play if they're not vaccinated. But what does that say for the rest of the league? They see Kyrie Irving playing. He's not vaccinated. What happens if they have a family at home and like, I don't know, I don't want to be exposed to someone that's not vaccinated. We're sweating. We're running. I I was wondering. I I just, I don't get it because it's not because, oh, like, oh, she's a salty Knicks fan. That's what I've gotten a lot. But it's not because... I think I'm trying to say, like, the safety of the players. What happens? Okay. I just feel like there's going to be all of these issues. And we saw LeBron was on COVID protocol. We just saw, I think, Durant just went into COVID protocol. All these teams that are actually supposed to be really good are not going to be as good because everyone is sick. 
And I think that that's a huge problem. But the interesting thing to me is, and I don't know if it's the regulations of the way college sports are, we have not heard from, or if I'm wrong, very many college athletes having to sit out their season right now because of COVID. Is that because the university and NCAA? I don't really know, but, you know, it's also, I believe in karma. You know, I really do believe it. My family believes it. Yeah. Nets don't have any of their big three. No Kevin Durant. No James Harden, no Kyrie Irving, all gone with COVID protocols. But I find it interesting that the NCAA is not like, I don't know, like all these star players like from Gonzaga, Chet Holgren or Buddy Bayheim from Syracuse or like, I don't know, like the coaches like Tom Izzo or any of these people that are not saying, oh, they've entered COVID protocols. It's not just the NBA players, which I find a little fishy, you know, like. There has to be other people yeah, testing positive. I think positive. the NCAA has very strict regulations because these athletes are students. So these are individuals that have to be in classrooms. A lot of universities have stricter testing policies than even Syracuse had. Um, I think that it has to definitely has a lot to do with all of those types of components that these are also a lot of these people like some of these athletes have started that just turned 18. Some of them were minors. Like, these are kids. Like, these are not adults yet. And they think that universities are taking it to their own hands to make sure that the COVID issue isn't a big deal. We're seeing a lot of big players with big injuries, but we're not seeing a lot of COVID, which I definitely find very interesting. I think, obviously, Omicron variant, it's, we don't know much about it. It's 70 times something. I don't know. My dad was telling me it's like 70 times stronger than the Delta variant. And, you know, it's really interesting when we come to March and all these teams want to play in the bubble. And what are we going to do if we can't, if players start testing positive in the bubble? These are all questions that aren't going to be answered, obviously, in one day or anything. But I do disagree with Adam Silver not saying, like, basically, when you put out a statement saying, we're not stopping, whatever, like, yeah, you have those people that are like, yay, like, we're going to still have the NBA, like, yay, we're going to still play. All the players obviously want to play. But then, what happens if, like, I don't know, we're at 80 right now, and it's Tuesday. We're at it's, it's Tuesday, December 21st, and we, what happens if we go into 100, 200? Like, there's After not going to be. especially. Yeah, and there's not going to be anyone to play. It's going to be a real problem, and it looks like Adam Silver is just like, push along, we'll get through it. You know, everyone's vaccinated exactly. except we know who, Kyrie, but he's in health and protocols. But yeah, anyways, right. I think that we got to we gotta do better. The commissioner's got to do better. We got yeah, and, you know, sticking on the topic of COVID for a second and commissioners, Robert Manfred and the MLB Players Association and the MLB, I just got an alert that the MLB – Payrolls dropped 4% in 2021 compared to the league's last season, and the $4.05 billion total was the lowest in a fully completed year since 2015, and it's because of the bargaining and I think the expired CBA. And I think that the issue we're obviously having is the CBA is not going to move any quicker, and neither is any of these any of these changes because of COVID. I think that that's holding a lot of it up too. I don't know the exact numbers, but all these leaks lost millions, billions of dollars with this COVID coronavirus. But if you're going to, if you're going to keep, obviously owners want to generate that money. The players want to get their money from their contracts. But if we don't have monies to play the players, then we don't have the owners aren't happy. And then the commissioner is not happy because he has the owners on their case. But I think going back, COVID 
we're not like everyone's like we're out of 2021 yay like it's great we're gonna stop with we're out of 2020 we're done with covid but look we have another variant and we don't know what this is gonna and happen almost, and in about 10 days now we will have the new year of 2022, which a lot of people are saying it's going to be a repeat of 2020 because it sounds like 2022. So I'm really hoping that's not the case. Um, so you were saying earlier, we got some big basketball on in the next couple days. Um, tonight we have Stanford, South Carolina, which are one and two seats for the women. I am so excited for that because I, first of all, Haley Jones from Stanford, mm-hmm. she is a great player. She just got named Pac-12 Player of the Week rightfully so she played amazing at Tennessee and I think what happened with South Carolina they also have one of our transfers from Syracuse Camilla Cardoso who is backing up one of the best centers in the league in Aaliyah Boston but what I, what's interesting to me with these two teams the, what's going to make and break this are those steals we had this is a rematch of the last year's final four right we got the whole twins right. on Stanford we got Ashley Prechtel we got Haley Jones Cameron Brink who only played eight minutes at Tennessee because of foul trouble, which is very concerning for Tara, obviously, because that's your center. She's amazing, but she can't control those fouls. If you can't control those fouls against Aaliyah Boston, you're not going to be succeeding. But South Carolina... That's definitely a big problem. I think I'm very excited, though, this season. I really like Caitlin Clark. She's actually one of, unfortunately, the very much so injured Paige Beckers, who probably will not come back until the tournament you know she had a fracture in her tibia she had a what they call a tibial plateau fracture and then she they also found a torn meniscus when they went in for surgery to repair that fracture um and that means from originally what we thought was at injury date it was only six to eight week recovery but in reality it's actually from surgery date that's gonna be six to eight weeks so um, UConn, the hope is that she'll be back for the tournament because her team needs that kind of leader. But her friend, Caitlin Clark, who she plays USA basketball with, she's really having quite the season. You know, she's a hometown hero. She's from Iowa. I'm pretty sure she had offers to play at better programs, but she's made a program good because of how good she is. You know, a lot of players we're seeing that are wanting to stay close to home, but then we also have players that are wanting to go across the country. Oregon women's basketball, they get... Kylie Watson from New Jersey, Sydney Parrish from Indiana, Maddie Shear from Kentucky. Like, all these players are coming yeah. across the country. But there's those players, you know, it's different playing for your hometown. It's really different. Like, you know, the whole twins yeah. on Stanford, who I follow really closely, when they go to Washington to come back to Spokane with the Stanford women's basketball team, they're like, home game at one. Like, it's special playing for your hometown. But Caitlin Clark, although she has... Monica Zizano in the center position down low. There's not really, how do I put it? There's not really that much. She's the only talent in she, our, in my eyes, really. The only big talent with that team. The thing is, like, she's obviously going to go to the NBA for WNBA, excuse me, but WNBA, she's 100% going to get drafted with Paige. But, you know, the thing is, when UConn and Iowa played last year, you could really see. Obviously, UConn had the better talent because they're playing under Geno. They get all the top recruits in the top five recruiting classes for the last couple of years because just an amazing program. But I think Caitlin Clark, obviously, she'll never transfer. I know that. But Iowa has the star player. And, yes, they have Monica inside and they have a couple wings, but there's not that, like, duo. You know what I mean? Like, for UConn, right. as we're going to talk about later on the podcast, but 
UConn has Azizi Fudd. They got Paige. They got Dorka Juhas, that transfer from Ohio State. And they have this new, really good prospect that I'm excited to talk about, Caroline Ducharme, who... Interesting. Say more. I'm curious to know. So yeah. she, where is she from exactly? Do you know so her high school history, any of that? Um, I don't know exactly where she's from, but she is was the number five recruit in her in her, her class. But she mm. played uh me okay, I just looked it up. She is from Massachusetts. Um she played Gino in his post game conference, which I was watching. She he only praised her. You know, Gino's that type of coach that's like Everyone did bad, but except you, you know, like, but she's only a freshman and she's already providing. She's wearing number 33. We know who played 33 years before, but, you know, she in that Louisville game against UConn, UConn is also their number, what are they right now? Number 11. They are number 11. So like that is the lowest since 2004 and five, which I, I saw it coming when Paige left. There's no leadership. Okay. Like, yeah, I figured it was going to be down there from go downhill from there. Another interesting athlete we saw play for Sierra Canyon last uh, was it a couple weeks ago when they played at the Staples Center now called the Crypto Center. I'm pretty sure Crypto yep, Bank Crypto or whatever. Bye bye Staples Center. Something like that. Well, Judea Juju Watkins. Who's that? Is class of 2023, but I'm expecting by the spring to have a commitment from her. Where do you think she'll go? I'm thinking Oregon. I don't know much about that player, actually, but I am following a little bit of the recruiting for next year because I do want to get familiar with it. But we, I see that Lauren Betts. She's the number one prospect for her class. Really? Are you sure? And she that? earned honor, MVP honors at the 2021 FIBA American U16. What year is she? What year is she? She's a junior in high school. She's the same age as Bronnie James. And oh, she's okay. number one in the entire country for her class. I see her going to Oregon. I see Stanford, or I see UConn. Look, speaking of Stanford, they've really picked up that recruiting. They got Haley Jones, they got the Hold Twins, and they got Cameron Brink. But now they got this girl, Lauren Betts, who's going to be coming out. She's a senior, I want to say now, that's going to be coming to Stanford next year. And they already got, I don't know the exact, but they were in the top ten for recruiting last year because they got Brooke Dimitri, and they have this – product from Poland and you know I think it's really interesting that like we're seeing a little bit obviously Stanford's been a a powerhouse in women's basketball as they've won the championship last year in March Madness but we're seeing kind of like a drift you know UConn is getting those players but watch out like teams like Oregon who just got Chance Gray that point guard who's really talented yeah you got a Sedona, I don't remember her Sedona last Prince, name. She was yes. really big. Z- Sedona Prince. Sedona Prince, yes. And then, interesting, I don't know if you knew this, but Katie Lou Samuelson, who is on the uh, Seattle Storm with former teammate Brianna Stewart, she actually had two sisters, Bonnie Samuelson and Carly Samuelson. Carly, I think, was on the Storm a little bit this season. They did play together at some point. Um, they were both on Stanford. They were her two older sisters. Katie Lou was better than them, blew them out of the water with numbers. And she ended up going to UConn and did play Carly, who was, I think, only a grade or two older than her when they got to college. So it's very interesting to see, like, divides between families. these players and their families. Yeah, you know, I think Gino also, like, he's kind of seeing, like, the game, like, you know, when you have all those years with Morgan Tuck, you got Brianna Stewart, 
and you got um, Mariah Jefferson at your point, it's obviously stable for four years because you got national all four national championships, but you don't have them anymore. You have to develop with Paige, your best player, arguably, your best player going down, and what you can't just focus on, you know, all the media is focused, oh, my God, wait until February, oh, my God, we're going to get her back. But what about now? Who is going to be right. that provider spark? And I see it as Caroline Ducharme. I also see Dorka Juhas, but, you know, Louisville game, they just did not look good. You know, I think it's interesting that, like, that UConn is just struggling. You know, the world has never seen this. And mm-hmm. I talk to everyone, everyone's like, oh, they'll be fine, like, they're UConn. But, you know, seriously, they're struggling. Olivia ONO, Olivia Nelson Odota, only put five points up in mm-hmm. 27 minutes. Dorka Juhas, 15 points in 36 minutes. Wow. Caroline Ducharme, 24 so, points. That's all crazy, but I want to shift to something that is pretty interesting this week that happened that we don't see every season. We had two players this week knocked unconscious in the NFL. Number 89 on the Chargers, the tight end, Donald Parham, mm-hmm. Parham Jr., I think. Um, and he, and then we also saw last night Teddy Bridgewater. So, uh, Parham, he actually was hit so hard. He was posturing and tense and his arms were up. So people were very much convinced he had a traumatic brain injury. And then I saw another video earlier from Teddy Bridgewater this weekend. He was knocked so hard unconscious. Both these men, you can see the ball just flies out as soon as they hit the ground. And with um, Bridgewater, I saw a video. They were pulling down his pads and his shirt so they could reach his chest and rub against his sternum to um, stimulate him and try and get him to like, because it's a really sensitive spot. So when someone's unconscious, it's somewhere you can rub and helps wake them up. But both these guys, so we're seeing these hits and it's just, I, there's not really much, you know, concussions. We can't really do much. Like there's been attempts to prevent. A lot of these guys are very aware of them. I just think it's very interesting. It happens to be when the sports world of blowing up with COVID it happens to be that these things are happening as well. You know, I think, it, look, we have targeting, obviously, in the NFL. And it's taken key players out of teams all over. We've seen for years. But I think also, was there ever a flag? I didn't watch the play, but did they did they call a flag on when they got hit? It was just a sack, I'm pretty sure. It and was it was sack. also wow. uh, an attempt to receive the oh, touchdown Teddy, right, for both obviously. of these. I don't think that it was like an intentional hit. It was just the way... They might have actually for Teddy Bridgewater because in the video I saw they hit his legs and he like went up and tried to break his arm, put his arm down to break his fall and basically his head broke his fall. Interesting. Well, is he okay? Like, what's the update? Do you have an update on him? I didn't see anything on him, but I saw that um, that happened uh, Sunday night. But Donald Parham has been released from the hospital. Good. Um, He should be released. Sorry, is what they're saying. He suffered a pretty bad concussion, and as of four days ago, the San Diego Union Tribune says that he should be released soon. So what does he just got say? hit really hard. What um, I'm going to look on Bridgewater. He what definitely got hit really hard, though. It was a very interesting – he's out of the hospital, and he's on concussion protocol. What um, does that say for the rest of the NFL? And he's unlikely to return – to play against the Raiders. Yeah, obviously. I don't think he's going to probably play in the next game. Obviously, it's a traumatic hit. But 
what does that say for the rest of the NFL? Like, when we see these plays get hit, like, I remember a couple of years ago, Patrick Mahomes got hit pretty hard, and everyone was mm-hmm. so concerned. And, like, you know, just because it's not a star player, like, obviously, Teddy's had his years, and Donald Purham, obviously, tight end, but he's still getting it out there. But what does that say, like, about the NFL? Like, should we have a different call? Like, first of all, if it's just marked a sacked, like, there should be some, like, if you're hitting a guy that obviously it's contact sport, they're signing up for that. But that should probably be a flag. I'm really surprised to hear that there's not a flag on that play because yeah, I think hit. you know there's the whole roughing the passer. That's a huge. You expect to see that when a player, when a quarterback takes error like that. Um, I did not look. It was just a quick video that I'd seen, and I was surprised to see how it happened again this week. That a player was not so unconscious that they literally had to be like woken up. Um, and then I just think that the concussion protocols have gotten a little bit stricter over the last few years, which is necessary. And that's the change that needs to be made. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of feel like, you know, we always see on ESPN, they highlight obviously the top players, but what is that? Like, you know, I think that we got to understand that like, it's a contact sport, obviously like rugged, we're going to get down and dirty everything, but like got to protect the players. Like, the brain, CT, sure. all this stuff that's going on. I'm not obviously a brain specialist, but all that stuff that's going on, we have to protect themselves. Yeah. You know? Well, we're seeing a lot of these players be diagnosed with the chronic traumatic encephalopathy in earlier than pre-death. I think that they're finding symptoms a lot quicker now, if I'm not mistaken. I think that they are saying that there are people that are clearly exhibiting symptoms And now they have ideas of what it is. Yeah, you know, I think that we got to, I understand it's a contact sport, but we got to, like, we got to, we got to do better. We got to, I don't know, like, what we got to do, but transitioning a little bit, um, MLB lockout. We're still in a lockout in the MLB. No progress. Yeah, for Uh, sure. And I think the payroll drop has, is going to definitely be affected I think COVID is affecting this lockout a lot, as I mentioned earlier. I think that people are trying to bargain. I think things are trying to get out. But at the end of the day, we think that the MLB is going to win. The players are going to win this. They're going to get what they want. That's what I think because without the players, there's no league. I see, so see I one. think the players win. I see. I think the I think, it's, look, it's not going to be like a win. I would say they're going to have to, the players are going to have to compromise on stuff. They're not going to get everything they want on their list of demands. But I think one thing that they're really valid for saying is like getting a universal DH. Like my Mets, we don't have a DH. We have to have pitchers pitch. Right. Uh, hit. And during COVID, they did switch it back. So everyone had a DH. But I think the universal DH will be better for a lot of the pitchers. Yeah. And, you know, look, we. A lot of MLB moves are still happening. Look, the Mets just hired Buck Showalter, which is a great move. But I saw that, yes. He'll be wearing number 11, last worn by Kevin Pilar. Love him as center fielder. But, you know, I think that the MLB has a long way to go. I think they'll get resolved before the league, the season. Players want to play. The owners want to make money. The fans want to watch. Everyone, It's a win-win for everyone, but... I it's going to be sooner than later because I'm pretty sure pitchers and catchers report is... Pitchers and Catchers 2022 is Valentine's Day. Oh, wow. Okay. Happy so Valentine's Day, everyone. On the um, earlier side. So they've really, they've got a boogie. And 
get it together and figure out what they want. But there's still some key... We're going to have a really delayed season again otherwise. Yeah, of course. But I, I still see there's some key free agents still on the market, right? We got... Yes. There's Trevor Chris Story. Chris Bryant. Uh, Carlos Carrera did not sign that deal with the Tigers, actually, before the lockout, I saw. Wow. But he'll probably go after the lockout's done, obviously. Pretty much a done deal. He actually turned it down, is what I was reading on Instagram, that he had turned down that um, and didn't want to sign yet. So what, what team is he on now? He's not signed. He's not on a team right now. Wow. Well, you know, my Same Mets. Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant's not on a team. Yeah, and look, Chris Bryant. Neither is Anthony out. Rizzo. Um, Chris Bryant doesn't want to go back to San Francisco. So, and he doesn't he want to doesn't. go back to Chicago. So he does not. He does not. So the Mets are open, you know. I think that's the top priority. I can see him, I can see him trying to follow Rizzo to New York. Because Rizzo would like to stay in New York. I don't think so. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to the Yankees or the Mets because he wants to be near Rizzo again. I don't, but I don't see. I see him going to Texas. I think they are trying to just give all the money out they can. I don't see him going to the Yankees, and I'm not being biased, but I just don't think he fits that scheme really. I think with the Mets, Mm -hmm. um, he can play with Francisco Lindor, and they got Max Scherzer and Jacob Degrom, arguably best duo in pitching in there could ever be and you know that was really interesting when Max Scherzer signed I was like wow my god the Mets really going after it you know Steve Cutt was not playing around he wants that World Series but you know I think the Rangers are obviously spending big because they're a small market team they got to attract fans somehow and if they get these free agents they're back in the playoff race I see Texas getting back in the free back into the free agent market and signing maybe some bullpen help or maybe another um Maybe another – they got Simeon, obviously, and they got Seager. I see them adding, like, another infielder or maybe a catcher. So, we'll see. So, the Yankees um, are interesting. Carlos Rodon, Rodon, the White Sox yeah. pitcher. Yeah. His wife actually made a comment on Twitter about the entire situation, which is kind of funny. They wrote something – oh, according to the Chicago's Daily Herald, well, uh, Yankees among teams, in interest – to Carlos Rodon, and it was like the Cubs don't seem to be figuring to spend another money on another starter, blah, blah, blah. The Yankees, Red Sox, Angels, Mariners, and Dodgers are among the teams rumored to be interested in signing Rodon, and his wife quote tweeted it and said, man, wouldn't it be cool to end the lockout and find out? Laughing, crying emoji. And then um, is it vague? Absolutely. Did she turn down the Yankees entirely? Definitely not. I also saw a potential of how she uh, liked a tweet that the Yankees had put out. So it seems like the Yankees are a favorite for him, which would be helpful for their bullpen. But well, I don't really, I'm not sure where some of these big names are going to be going. Also, Carlos Rondon is, I think, a starting pitcher. So he would probably be in your rotation of thought. He is. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's one of their starters, which would be very helpful for the Yankees. And they need help in that lineup. Yeah. Well, that's going to conclude episode two of our podcast from the Women's Take. I hope you guys enjoyed. Yes. We're going to try and get on a regular schedule. Obviously, we are going. We are on winter break from Syracuse University, so we have some vacation plans for the both of us. But we will try our best to record an episode three by next week. But thank you so much. If you made it this far, follow us on social media at the Women's Take on Instagram. And then our usernames are at Char Steinberg. 
and at Perry Meltzer. But if you want to tune in for next episode, we will be stay tuned on the social media. We always update and we always have the greatest and best news coverage from women. Anything else, Perry? Uh, that is it. You've covered it all. Okay. See you thanks, guys. guys. Hopefully we are not reporting live with the league shut down. Yes. Okay. Bye guys.